Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello guys, welcome to the next episode of the Challenger Podcast. Today I am more prepared to talk to you because as you might remember last time I was a bit hungover and had to like drink a sip of water almost every, I don't know, five minutes. Right now I'm actually more eager and you know excited to record this episode, so that's good. Um, we have a lot of stuff to discuss, you know, five events that happened, five events to preview, so I think we're just gonna dive right into it. Before we even start, I'm gonna tell you that I, I got two points this week, so like two, two winner predictions, right? So that's a, that's a pretty good week for me. I actually wonder if I had a week like this this year. I think maybe at the beginning of the year. I remember Jakub had a week where he got three predictions out of four, right? which is insane I think maybe most of my points were actually taken singularly but who knows anyway um, let's start with one of the free challenger 100s that we had this week and where do we go first probably Alicante let's start there and Constant Lestien won the title over Hugo Grenier Constant Lestien this is his ninth challenger title and actually fared this year and also fared in the span of let's say the last couple of months uh, it's truly fantastic what Lestien did, honestly. Um, I have to say that I really admire what he's done since around February. I mean, since around February, he stopped winning matches for like six months. And then he wins Stanford. And I, I keep repeating that, but I mean, he saved seven match points against Dane Sweeney there in the opening round. And he wins Stanford. Stanford, he wins Saint-Tropez, he wins Alicante, he wins three of the last five challengers that he played and like truly separated himself from the competition, you know. The last five challengers he played, he only lost to Puy and to Mahaj. Mahaj, who won the title, and Puy, of course, always dangerous whenever he can just be healthy for at least a match. And in Alicante, he beat Gallo, Nava, Landaluce. Great performance, by the way, from the 17-year-old uh, Spanish youngster. I think he's really getting closer to figuring things out. And, you know, sort of his game is getting less raw. Uh, he just sort of choked. Uh, well, he, he lost his like opening service game of the match or something like that. That was the only one that he lost. And he choked the second set tiebreak. But he played a great match against Lestien. And Lestien, until the uh, final, actually did not lose a set. He only played tiebreaks against Landalusa and Marterer in the semis. And then he lost a very dramatic first set tiebreaker to Grenier. He kind of choked it, but at the same time, he had a few good saves. So, you know, it's it's split. But I think over time, he started playing this matchup a lot more smoothly. Like, he started uh, spreading the court using his variety to confuse Grenier, you know, sort of exposing the lack of advantage that Grenier can uh, produce, the lack of threat that he can produce off the ground once his serve is neutralized. And eventually he won, although the third set did get a little complicated. 
And uh, this was actually a second Alicante final of Lestien and Grenier. They already played in 2021. And they basically have this one annual Spanish challenger final meeting these days. Because in 2021, they played in Alicante. Lestien won that one. In 2022, they played in Segovia. Grenier won that one. And now Lestien picks up another win in Alicante. And basically, both of them have been excellent at these Spanish challengers. Lestien also won Malaga in 2022. Pozoblanco, I think, as well. Uh, Grenier this year won Las Franquezas del Valles and Pozoblanco. And speaking of... And by the way, uh, for Lestien, this probably sets up Austrian Open main draw, I I think. So this is truly excellent. You know, not ba- barely winning matches. I think four wins between middle of February to middle of August. And he still should make Austrian Open main draw. I think it's a, it's a great feat. Then we also have Hugo Grenier, the finalist. And as I said, he also is a master of these Spanish outdoor hardcore events. Uh, between Pozoblanco and this, he actually didn't win a match. So that was two months, basically. Here he beats Neukrist, Ekargui, Haris, Novak, and, Lestien, and loses to Lestien. I think clearly a weaker path to the final than Lestien had, but still a good win over Denis Novak, and he loses to Constant Lestien in a high-quality final, I think. I mean, Grenier is... We all know he is a bit weird, like he has that huge serve and then pushes off the ground. It, it's a weird sort of dichotomy, it's a weird game, but it is effective, you know, I can't really deny that, and he is definitely making a lot of his opponents like get lost in that, you know, they, they simply start overhitting or just don't play it smart. And he hit 24 aces in the final, which I think was a phenomenal serving day. Uh, but eventually went down after losing that long 4-all game in the third. But was very close to winning this title. And uh, honestly, it doesn't feel like Grenier um, you know, has had this sort of a year where he wins two challenger titles and makes Madrid round three, Madrid the ATP 1000. But other, other than that, he basically is not winning matches, you know, and also Alicante right now. So he is still outside the top 200, although I believe I actually have not checked that, frankly. But I believe this run should get him back. Yeah, it, it does get him back into the top 200 um, after Shanghai, because that's when the new ATP rankings will be released. And in the semis, we had Maximilian Marterer, who is having like a, a very solid season, a bit under the radar, I think. No, ATP quarterfinal in Pune, the Wimbledon third round, and then recently lots of good challenger results. Well, by lots of, I basically mean the Amersfoort title, and then of course Tuln semis and Alicante semis. That's actually his last two appearances, not counting Davis Cup. So I think it's a it's a really nice season for Marter, who sort of makes you think that maybe he will at some point return to the top 100. Like it's certainly not out of the question. Um, around 125 in the live rankings is where he is. So I don't know if this year, but um, he could have a shot at that in the in the future. You know, the the last two or three months certainly have been really good from him. And then Denis Novak, uh, we've um, sort of mentioned him a few times here as a player who, at the beginning of the year, of course, had a nice start and then had that injury in Vilnius, never truly recovered, but it seems like he is actually recovering now. Uh, final in Bad Waltersdorf recently, where he uh, lost to Andrea Pellegrino, and now he also, uh, in Alicante, he plays, Hugo Grenier, he plays Hugo Grenier in the semis, loses, but beats Morchan, Ferreira Silva, Elias Immer along the way. So so it was a nice showing. And he's also playing Bratislava Qualis. Uh, today he defeated Leo Borg. Of course, we'll be mentioning Bratislava uh, in a larger capacity later. Alicante, uh, when it comes to my pick, I had Artur Cazot. 
wasn't one of the guys that I landed. Obviously, he lost to Martin Landalusa in the second round. That was a very nice battle of two youngsters, I think. But still, I, I thought that Kazo was going to beat Landalusa quite handily, actually. And uh, the doubles were won by Kalianda Punacha and Sharan, so the Indian duo. And it was actually three Indians on the court because the other guys were Yevan Nedunhezian and J.P. Smith. Uh, I think at some point uh, this week there was a match with four lefties, right? Yeah, Nedunhezi and Smith, when they played uh, Chapel Dam in the semis, someone sent me a, a, a screenshot of that. And, and I guess it is pretty rare, although I never really, you know, stopped and think about think, uh, and thought about it. But um, but yeah, um, four lefties in the, in the semis, but three out of four finalists were Indian. And um, yeah, with that, we can go to the other Challenger 100 in Europe. Let's let's head there, which was Mulleron Le Captif. That's also not one where I won, uh, where I had a point, uh, but I'm going to get to that, I think, after talking about the semifinalists and finalists. Thomas Mahaj won back-to-back Challenger titles and defeated Artur Ferry in the final. So you can already probably hear that there's a lot of good storylines here. Thomas Mahaj, uh, you know, he was at his career high 96. Uh, right now, he might be even in the top 80 after Shanghai, uh, especially if he can do anything in Bratislava. This is really a beautiful. This is really beautiful stuff, I think, from the uh, Czech. He only lost a set to Hies Brauer to six uh, in the opening round, and then never really gave anyone a shot. Was sort of in effective, efficient business mode, you know. He he basically uh, didn't allow the accumulated fatigue to get to him because he was really taking care of business. Especially impressive win, probably Nardi, probably Ferry. So it's not like it was as strong as his Orlean run, but it was also a one hundred, not a one to five. Orlean draw was also like undeniably crazy, you know, he, he beat Cressy, Lestien, Bonzi, Gasquet and Draper. So definitely a bit easier here, but still a ridiculous run. We all know he has the potential to do this and I am really hopeful for him right now in like the first half of 2024. I think if we see Thomas Mahaj, you know, maybe hovering around the top 50 next year, like that's actually doable, I think, with the point situation of his right now, especially if he can keep producing in the indoor swing. And he's actually 16 and 1 in his last 17 matches now, with the only loss coming to Mattia Bellucci in the final at Cassis. So great stuff from the from the uh, from the Czech again. Artur Ferry, the finalist, um, last week I think I mentioned his sort of breakthrough and um, I mean professional breakthrough at the challenger level, let's say at least. And we still haven't had, I believe, an official announcement as to whether he's coming back to Stanford. But I'm assuming he's not, especially after this week. And this is really such a wonderful sort of announcement at the challenger level. I know he's played a few challengers before, you know, even won rounds. He beat Elias Immer in Mallorca in August. But still, that's um, that, that quarterfinal in Orléans, you know, beating Zapieri, Hussler, qualifying for that event, qualifying again in Boulogne Le Captif, beating Goffin, Zapieri, Escoffier, really um, something that I didn't really think was possible at this stage, even though I was very excited for Ferry. I remember a couple of years ago, I was um, like out of college players. I was probably uh, most excited for Kovacevic Kalarno. Right now, Ferry probably takes the cake if he's even a college player anymore. But, you know, let's say last year he was at that sort of spot for me. I'm not counting guys like Shelton because they were never truly... Um, in that sort of uh, mode where, you know, they play a college season and then they show up in a few challengers in the summer and that's when I can watch them as I'm not really watching, you know, following college. So um, 
that's why Shelton never really got to that sort of point or like Shellbike or whoever, right? So so I think Kovacevic got out know, you know, the way I was excited for these guys a few years ago. I think that's very right now for me. Obviously a ridiculous backhand, but also his touch is is truly beautiful. The way he's been serving the past couple of weeks, you know, with his height, it was always a bit of a I don't want to say problem, but I, I, I think that was something that I thought was gonna hold him back, at least indoors. His first surf is as good as anyone's really in these events, so uh, that's that's a great sign for the British youngster. He was outplayed by Mahaj in the final, but you know it was Thomas Mahaj, right? Like it's it's obviously no sh- there, there's no shame in getting outplayed by Thomas Mahaj. Uh, so a real breakthrough moment for Ferry. I think it's very likely that he's not returning to college. Then uh, should he? I guess, you know, there are arguments both ways. Um, not really something that I think I can speak on. Uh, not having, you know, just the highest quality information and simply not being in his own skin. And let's get to the semi-finalists. We had Antoine Escoffier, so a very regular semi-finalist on the Challenger Tour, as we as we know. This year he made that first Challenger final at the age of, two, uh, at the age of 31 in Segovia. Um, probably will be uh, regretting not beating Ferry a little bit, but I think in the two sets that he lost, he was clearly the worst player. And still, nice wins, you know, Gaston, Sachko, Cressy, especially. I think that was still a very fine week for Escoffier, who obviously has the ability to do it uh, a lot of the time on the challenger level, especially indoors. And Luca Poulain, also a French semi-finalist, that was more of a surprise. And actually Poulain is getting really high in the ATP rankings. Like he has a shot at making Australian Open qualifying, which just a few months months ago, I think was going to be, um, I don't know if impossible, but no one truly considered it a possibility, I think. Uh, obviously for Ferry, this is also pretty huge. And he's like a 270-ish in the ATP ranking. So maybe, you know, with, with one more big result, two more big results. But for Poulain, yeah, I, I never truly expected it. Um, but he has been, uh, like, he has had a pretty weird career with never truly playing a full season before 2023. Now he's playing that full season and he is getting some challenger results. I don't think he has a high ceiling at all, really. But, you know, he, he can get better players to overhit. He can get better players to, well simply miss you know <laughs> and he did that this week you know he beat Martino in the second round he beat Jack Draper in the quarters and I think that was obviously a very very tired version of Jack Draper after his marathon with uh, Dino Prismic in the second round but I think um, still I am going with uh, I'm sorry uh, I mean still Luca Poulain did well to get to the semis and uh, Mahaj Poulain in the semis honestly wasn't much of a contest. But, you know, again, that's fine. Still, Poulain had a really nice run and now will be trying to force his way into the um, Australian Open qualifying. We'll see if he is successful at that. And then we also have Campinas, the Challenger 100, where um, we had my first point of the week. So Tiago Monteiro getting it done for me. As you guys might remember, I was thinking between Monteiro and Comesania, who was on that beautiful 
um, 13, how many quarterfinals in a row? I can't remember, like nine quarter, quarterfinals in a row streak. And actually, Comesania's uh, streak ended, although with a qual- with uh, a retirement. So I changed the last minute to Monteiro and it was a very good decision. Oh, uh, one more thing also, sorry. Doubles at Mulleron Le Captif. We had Julian Cash and Robert Galloway, the top seeds, claiming the title over Maxim Kressin, Otto Virtanen. Uh, Cash Galloway uh, in Orléans, they lost to Gabriel De Bruyne and Antoine Oang. And now they actually won the title next week, which is pretty interesting. Uh, but Cressy Virtanen deserve a bit more of a shout out, I think, because they kept just finding some ridiculous comebacks, you know. They were 4-6 to 5 down, I think, to uh, Charles Broom and Henry Patton. And then earlier they saved four match points from five nine down in the in the uh, super tiebreak against uh, Dan Adet and Jonathan Aserik, so that was a, a really interesting pairing. But uh, maybe more of a regular uh, doubles. Well, not not regular in terms of playing with each other, but like you know regular doubles players won eventually with with Cash and Galloway. Anyway, um, coming back to Campinas, Thiago Monteiro, uh, I changed to him last minute and uh, I managed to get the prediction right there. Honestly, it was just a bit of a hunch that this was probably going to be a good win- a good week for Thiago Monteiro. You know, the whole year for his standards, I think, has been pretty poor. He was ranked around 150 before this week, which... I just consider Monteiro, you know, as a guy who should be making deep runs at the uh, golden swing, you know, that sort of level of performance and not necessarily uh, 150 in the world. But that's, of course, for a reason. He didn't really do all that much. Just one challenger semi at the ATP level also, not really. But he did make, he did uh, beat Holger Rune at Davis Cup and it was actually a major upset because it was indoors in Denmark. And then he had a couple of weeks off, but maybe he still, you know, used that confidence, who knows. And he beat Haida, Diaz Acosta, Delian Darderi and Hugo Carabelli. Was his game, you know, fully back? I don't think so. I think there were certainly some messy parts of this week for Thiago Monteiro. But still, beating Diaz Acosta, beating Delian, beating Hugo Carabelli from uh, a set down and also blitzing Darderi in the semis, his best performance of the week, that's amazing. And in the final, I guess, Ucarabelli, I feel like he clearly had the stronger level, you know, in these parts of the match where he was able to, like, feed off the energy of the crowd and also just, um, yeah, just, just play lights out tennis. They were, they were truly excellent. He also made a mess of it a lot of the time, especially in the second set from 4-0 up to 4-all and then winning, winning at 6-4. But I think ultimately he was a, a pretty deserved winner of this week. Um, wonderful effort and really much needed, you know, in this um, in this sort of uh, setting, you know, in, in what sort of season he has had. This is his ninth challenger title, which is actually the same as Constant Lestien's. Mahat won his sixth. I don't think I mentioned that, uh, sort of focusing on the fact that he won them back to back. And I guess that's going to be it for Monteiro. Let's talk about Camilo Gocarabelli, who's recently on a very good run as well. In his last four challengers, he made three finals only lost to Facundo Mena at altitude in Santa Cruz before the finals. The finals, he actually lost to Hoinski in Monteiro now, but I think that's still, you know, that, that paints a great picture about Ugo Carabelli. Uh, he obviously won Antofagasta. So uh, even though the draw was much, much easier, he beat Jimenez, Androzzi, Pereira and Pellegrino. The extent of his wins, you know, over Pellegrino and Androzzi especially was definitely quite telling. And he did 
he was pretty fine in the final. You know, he he counterpunched well when he found his forehand openings. He did he did use them a lot of the time. I remember this one forehand down the line that was really beautiful. But um, eventually, as I said, I think Monteiro had the stronger level in patches for sure. And uh, speaking of the semi-finalists, Andrea Pellegrino was one of them. Recently, of course, he won his... Um, was it third or second? Uh, I think it was his third, right? Challenger title in Bad Waltersdorf, beating Denis Novak in the final, a crazy comeback. But then he decided to go to South America and we'll see how it goes. I actually am I'm really excited to check it out because in the Golden Swing, he only played two matches and didn't win any of them. But here he was fine. He beat Trungheriti, the defending champion Jan Hoinski, and also Orlando Luz, then lost very tamely to Ugo Carabelli. So I think that's really the only sour taste of his week, the fact that he lost to Ugo Carabelli without giving all that much of a fight. And then Luciano Darderi, I think, is a similar case in the uh, semis of Campinas. He's also on a very decent run. Uh, basically, in his last six challengers, he made the quarterfinals five times. Only time when he didn't. Actually, we can even extend it further. So six out of seven. The only time when he didn't, it was at altitude again in Santa Cruz. So that's a bit of a theme that the players who do well regularly on the Challenger Tour may be at altitude. You know, don't have to. Uh, but anyway, um, in Campinas itself, he beat Puccinelli de Almeida, Juan Manuel Serundolo, Roman Andres Buruchaga, and he was beating them very comfortably. Then eventually lost to Monteiro, also in straightforward fashion. So again, just like with Pellegrino, I think the only real mistake, the only real negative of his week is that he didn't give them more of a fight in the semis. But as I said, I think that was the best Mon Monteiro performance that we got this week. And uh, when it comes to the doubles, we had a great final, I think, between Guido Andreozzi and Guillermo Duran, and then Diego Hidalgo and Cristian Rodriguez. This was also held uh, today on Sunday, because um, on Saturday the play was like almost completely rained off in Campinas. Monteiro actually had, had to play his full semi, whereas... Uh, Ugo Carabelli only played a few games, but because Monteiro blitzed Darderi like this, it wasn't really a problem that the final had to uh, was starting like I don't know, two hours after his match or something like that, because they basically did uh, you know single semis on uh, two courts, then after Monteiro it was the doubles final, and then instantly you get the final. So uh, basically, it wasn't really. Um, well, uh, it was it was held very quickly. Like they didn't give him all that much, all, all that uh, you know, all that uh, much time in order to get the rest. But because Monteiro won his semi very quickly, it didn't matter. Uh, so good for him, and then and good for me because I got the prediction right. Uh, let's maybe stick with the Americas then, because we have two Challenger 75s, one of them in the States, one of them in Portugal. Let's go to Tiburon, which is actually the event that finished um, when I'm recording this just like 40 minutes ago. And uh, Zacharis Faida won his third Challenger title over Adam Walton, and Faida actually defended his 2022 Tiburon crown. He was not my pick, I'm gonna tell you about my pick later, I guess. Zacharis Faida, though, um, he has actually won two of his last three challengers, so that's a really good run. He avenged his Columbus defeat to Christian Harrison in the first round, beat Steve Johnson in a very good match in the second round, 
beat Basavaredi, beat Calarno and beat uh, Walton, as I said. Excellent display in the final. Uh, he was counter-punching well, he was blasting his backhand down the line, the angles that he found on the passes, and there were like seven passing shot winners probably in that match. Uh, of course, the number is off the top of my head, but uh, that that's an estimation. And um, Svaida, I mean, even the drop shots that he found like a couple of times, um, truly a, a fantastic showing. And interestingly, the last time he played Walton and um, in Stanford just a few weeks ago, Walton crashed him 6 to 6 2. So Svaida completely returns the favor. And um, yeah, that was that was a real display of strength in Tiburon. I still don't think that Svaida has a very high ceiling, but he has certainly uh, shown quality in the past month or so. That that's um, that's what I'm what I can say. I mean um definitely and and the final display was truly fantastic also the semi-final against alexis garno by the way was a rematch from last year's tiburon semi-final so that's an interesting tidbit and uh adam walton the finalist uh we had him sort of make a full-on breakthrough this year he won that title in Kerry in august i want to say didn't really follow it up although actually he was still playing similarly well i think he has an interesting game, you know, adding a lot of power and like offensive shot making this year. But at the same time, he also has the counter punching abilities. So it wasn't really certain how he is going to play the final. He probably played it. I don't, I don't really know. I mean, at first he was maybe a touch too passive and allowed Spider to just um, execute his game. But then when he started maybe uh, going to the net more, he kept getting passed with these insane angles from Svaida. So I also cannot really blame Adam Walton for this, you know. So um, probably, yeah, probably I would say that um, that Adam Walton, you know, he lost this, the final to 6-6, six to six, but it was to an excellent performance. And it's still a good week. He he didn't drop a set on the way to the final. He beat Pospisil, Teen, um, Tomic and Schoolkate. Um, and yeah, Adam Walton now gonna be very firmly inside the top 200 after Shanghai. So that kind of also shows you how much of a rise he's had this year, which is basically his first year on the Pro Tour. I mean, in 2022, he started um, his pro career after the college season. So, so it's basically his first year on the Pro Tour. And then Alexis Galarno, the other semi-finalist, as I already mentioned, he was also the semi-finalist in Tiburon. He won a couple of crazy matches, beating Dugas and Richard, then lost to Svaida uh, once again. I think it was 6-3, 6-4 this year, and last year it was 6-4, uh, 6-4, so basically the same scoreline. But yeah, uh, looking at how he performed um, like in the second round or the quarters, Definitely didn't feel like he uh, was better than Svaida this week. So I guess, you know, a deserved result there, I would say. And then Tristan Skulkade also in the semi in the semifinals. Uh, is that his first semi? I don't think so, right? He, he made one in Bloomfield Hills, exactly. And I also have to check if he didn't make one last year at the end of the year uh, in these two Australian challengers. No, it was actually a quarter that he made in Sydney. Uh, I've said many times that guys like Schoolkate, you know, Sweeney and etc. are the players that we were sort of missing out on when they at first didn't play during the pandemic, you know, didn't play pro events at least. They were only playing UTRs for a while. 
Uh, but right now we get Skullcade. He is developing like a very aggressive net play oriented game, which is you know not that common on the tour. I would say he's definitely up there as one of the players who like without playing a full on servant volley style. Uh, approach the net a lot and he is getting some results recently in these hardcore American challengers obviously got blown out by Dennis Kudla the last couple of events but otherwise he has been beating play, you know good players Penniston in the second round here Tyson Kwiatkowski in the quarters um, so uh, I think it's been a fine run he actually recently defeated Walton as well in Columbus but this time loses to him in Tiburon and I think he had a lead in the second set that he will regret uh, blowing speaking of the doubles in Tiburon we had uh, again Luke Johnson and Skander Mansuri winning the title which they also did in Charleston and they also did in Istanbul so they are now on a 12-match win streak and they are actually 14-1 and together as a pair this year and they made a minor upset in the final, I would say, over uh, William Blumberg and Luis David Martinez. So, um, yeah, what a run for Luke Johnson and Skander Mansouri. And then we also have the last challenger, 74. Oh, I was supposed to talk about my pick as well. Alex Mikkelsen was my pick and he lost to Tyson Kwiatkowski in the second round, which... Uh, was a bit disappointing and, and generally speaking the last couple of events I feel like I've expected more from Mikkelsen even though he hasn't done poorly I expected a bit more so I wonder if I'm also going to pick him in Fairfield <laughs> I mean we have to wait until the previews to, to check that and uh, the last challenger 75 the last challenger in general that we had last week was um, Lisbon and Flavio Cobaldi won his second challenger title over Benjamin Hassan. And this is the second pick that I got right. And I'm also glad because uh, just a couple, just maybe a month ago, I said that two guys that I would be surprised if they don't win a challenger title this year, they were uh, Cobaldi and uh, Mahaj. So they've both done it now, obviously, Mahaj twice, back to back. But Cobaldi, uh, the thing about his year was that it was really consistent, but... The problem was that he just wasn't getting to the finals, you know, he was 0-5 and five at the Challenger semi-final stage and he was mostly losing to good opponents, you know, uh, Sebastian Ofner in Zadar, then you had Jesper de Jong in Rome, again, really good form, Diaz Acosta in Milan, I mean, needless to say, also another informed player, Sumit Nagal in Tuln, Damir Jumhur in Sibiu, maybe a little weaker, but still not that amazing, not that uh, easy. Uh, but the, since the beginning of um, September, Koboli is in a bit, in, on a bit of an insane run, which is Tuln semi, stretching quarters, Sibiu semi, and now Lisbon finally gets the title, lost only one set to Enrico Dallavale in the first round, but then won the decider with a bagel, and was really good in, in beating Krutek, Emery, Agamemnone, Hassan. I mean, if people thought that he had some final, um, you know, mental block to overcome, he definitely showed that he, I mean, more, more, more like semi-final mental block to overcome. He definitely showed that he does not. So that was truly, uh, um, uh, you know, a, a true moment where like Koboli finalized and sort of um, con confirmed his great season, which was just very consistent, but didn't have that highlight. Now it has that highlight and he's actually getting closer to um, contending for the top 100 again. You know, he will be at his career high ranking after Shanghai and currently live, he's just 46 points away. 
So um, yeah, kudos to him. And uh, even though I didn't actually pick him as one of my top 100 for 2023 picks, I remember that he was a guy that I thought was going to be very close to that sort of achievement. And I am I'm gonna be glad if he if he does it anyway, you know. Uh, definitely, uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind that naturally. Uh, I think he's a talented player. I don't know with you know how high his ceiling can be, but I definitely can appreciate his shot making and the sort of effortless tennis that he can sometimes play, uh, which um, I think people sometimes maybe throw him a bit into that to defensive mode, which it isn't really true. I mean, he, he can really do it all. It's just that he's so up and down. <laughs> and uh, truly, I mean, he that's, my, my, I think, the main problem. He's just so inconsistent mentally, game-wise. But anyway, this, this year he is getting results left and right. So I'm glad that he finally has the title. We had him on the show in Sekesvahervar at the beginning of the year, where he said like something about being in a tough spot mentally and sort of trying to have fun on the court again. And I think it's clear that this year he is having a lot more fun on the court. Benjamin Hassan, the finalist who I think right now has already secured his Grand Slam debut, probably in Melbourne which will be a great achievement, of course, at the age of 28. And also before this year, he only had two Challenger semifinals. Now he has seven for the year, which is ridiculous. I mean, seven. And I always talk about the semifinalists, finalists here. So we have already talked about Benjamin Hassan seven times this season, which is uh, fantastic. We also had him in um, in Kozerki, right, on the talking to us on the show, because that was his second Challenger final, the first being Trois 2022. He hasn't won one yet. Uh, but he was still really good this week, beating Forti, Gakov, Roca Bataya, Ramos Vignolas, and then losing to Koboli. Roca Bataya, he avenged a loss to him in Braga last week, from Braga last week. And honestly, this was probably his best performance in the final yet, I would say. Against De Jong, he was really tight in uh, Trois 2022 against Torres. Well, maybe maybe these are comparable, but I think against Koboli he did okay. Koboli was the better player, but Hassan was keeping uh, it fairly close, then just lost the two five-all games. I think one of them he sort of gave away. One of them was Koboli truly stepping up, stepping into the court, being more aggressive. So um, pretty good stuff from uh, from the Lebanese as well. And I'm, I'm glad that he's going to get that Australian Open main dra- um, qualifying, of course, debut. Because he has been working for that his whole career, and and uh, it's a it's a fantastic achievement, absolutely. Then we also have Albert Ramos Vignolas in the semis. I know he's just made back-to-back semis and also quarters in Turn, but still there is a feeling of like, is that what Albert Ramos Vignolas is going to be now? Uh, you know, he cannot beat Benjamin Hassan in a semi-final of a challenger. He cannot beat Andrea Pellegrino and doesn't even come close in the semi-finals of a challenger. I guess that's it, you know, we've not, we've now seen him in like a pretty extended patch on the Challenger Tour, which is three events, and he has made the quarterfinals every time, two semis, uh, but he hasn't been spectacular, you know, when he's losing, he's losing in straights, hasn't really had any enormous battles, yeah, I wonder what's gonna, how's it gonna be, you know, with Albert Ramos Vignolas, but of course, in July, he made the final in Kstad, the ATP 250. So it's not like the you know everything is lost, but that that's basically the the one event that sort of saves his season. You know the 150 points that he got there, 
because without the 150 points that he got there, he would currently be yeah outside the top 100. So um, pro and probably not making Australian Open qualities. So uh, I mean Australian Open main draw. Sorry, but but yeah, right now it seems like of course with with these results, uh, he is very much in contention and probably has. Well, I don't know if secured it, but he will probably make Australian Open main draw, it seems. And at that stage of his career, it seems like that's really what he'll be aiming for for the next few slams. Franco Agamemnone, also another semi-finalist. Uh, we know that he sort of jumps out of nowhere from time to time to make a big round of the challenger. He beat Gigante, he beat Mikrut, who, by the way, was one of the surprises here. Luka Mikrut, the 19-year-old Croatian. Um, who I think was playing his first challenger outside of Split, basically. Uh, am I right? I mean, he also played qualities in Zadar 2021, so outside of Croatia, anyway. Uh, he beats Travalia, Sanchez, Hover and Fonio, all upsets. But anyway, Agam Agamemnone stopped his run. He also beat Bonadio and Gigante, so a couple of Italians. And he lost to another Italian in Flavio Cobolli. Wasn't a great match, honestly. Uh, Cobolli really um, outplayed him quite easily. So um, maybe that's something that uh, Franco Agamemnone could be uh, looking at as a, as a potential negative of this week. But still, um, a semi is a semi. It's a, it's a good run, obviously. And yeah, Koboli, as I, as I already mentioned, was the second pick that I got right this, this week. And in the doubles, we had Karol Drzewiecki and Zdenek Kolasz beating uh, Jaime Faria and Henrike Rocha. Faria Rocha recently doing pretty well on the ITF tour. But I think in the challengers they they also had a final at the beginning of the season in Oirash. Well, in, at the beginning of the season is maybe a stretch, but you know in in April or May. And Drzewiecki Kolasz, I mean, apparently you only have to pick up um, Zdenek Kolasz as your partner and then you're going to win a challenger title. Obviously joking a little bit, but Karol wasn't playing for like three months or something like that. Um, recently and yet he, he finds himself with Zdenek Kolasz for the first time and of course the Czech legend, the legend of this show as well because he was on here four times uh, which is top of the list along with uh, Alexander Shevchenko and he actually has how many challenger titles by now? It's just ridiculous honestly 13, 17, 19? Yeah, I think it's his 19th challenger title in doubles Ridiculous numbers, really. I I don't understand fully how he how he does that. And uh, honestly, the next time I talk to Zdenek Kolasz, which apparently is like every other event, because he he is basically at every event that I that I am and that I am at, and he usually does well as well at these events. So I'm I'm gonna ask him how how do you do it? You know how how did you get 19 Challenger doubles titles? And what do you think is like your main strength in doubles? I'm I'm interested to to hear what he would have to say about this topic. Uh, personally, I, I I truly cannot fully grasp it, and um, I, I I could see him you know winning five, ten, two hundred doubles titles, yes, but nineteen, it's just a ridiculous number. And uh, I mean, obviously that's that's an amazing achievement, but still I cannot fully understand it. Even though he is like pretty good, I think at um, these net points where, you know, he's not necessarily at the net, although he has some classic volleying technique, but just maybe passing the guys, finding some angle. I think he is good at that. But um, yeah, I wonder what he would have to say about that. Uh, but anyway, we need to talk about match and upset of the week now. 
So match of the week, I obviously put out the poll, but since, um, as I said, uh, Tiburon finished just maybe 40 minutes ago, there's not going to be all that many votes. However, I have recently realized that I actually made an error because I should have included... Um, I actually should have included um, Jumhur, not Jumhur, uh, Prismich Draper. I don't know why I didn't. Why I didn't. I've mistakenly included Gaston Virtanen from Müller Rola Captive, and I feel like Draper Prismich was probably gonna be, I don't know, maybe the winner of the poll. But right now, what's leading is Tomic versus Kudla in Tiburon which I think is a, is a good shout and that's probably what I'm going to go for. You know, the um, match point saving of Bernie Tomic. I, I know only, only like one set was good in that match, Tomic Kudla. But still, the comeback of Tomic, the four match points that he saved in the tiebreak, especially the fourth one, the backhand pass that he uh, produces down the line, um, the reaction of his even. I mean, even though I only saw it on replay, the match, I think it's uh, it was really a wonderful showing, you know, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, having a win like that, especially after blowing a few matches recently, a few leads. Uh, I think that was great. Uh, but yeah, um, Draper Prismich, uh, a worthy rival that for some reason I did not include in the poll. I'm stupid. Uh, anyway, also upset of the week. Let me see uh, what can we talk about. Landaluso over Kazo. Yes, that was pretty big, I think, especially since I had um, Andalusa, I mean, Kazo to win the title uh, in my predictions. Poulain over Draper, I honestly don't think it was that big because Draper was coming off that match against Prismich and that match against Prismich was really, really tight. So um, I, I saw that, you know, playing for almost three hours, I think, Draper and Prismich, you could see that Jack is, is probably not winning the title. So I know Poulain was still unlikely to take advantage, but no, I, I just don't think it was as big as the odds makers put it. Martino over Stricker. Mm, yeah, I, maybe I didn't mention my Muller only captive pick, by the way. Yeah, I didn't mention it after all. It was actually Stricker, yeah, and he lost to Martino in the first round. So that's also another one. Uh, Karlovski beating Hussler, I see that it was also a big upset, which I get, but, you know, we all know which uh, what sort of form Hussler is in. Um, is there anything else crazy? Campinas, not really, I guess. Tiburon, probably not, right? What What is it? Monday over Locoli. Eh, Locoli, I just don't consider that strong a favorite at the challenger level, like basically ever, I think. Roca Bataya over Yamas Ruiz. Eh, it was kind of surprising for sure. Uh, I was I was thinking of Yamas Ruiz as my pick. Uh, I remember that. And um, yeah, then I kind of have to go with either one of these. So Landalusa over Cazo or and Stricker over Martin, Martin over Stricker. Let's say Martino over Stricker. I know Stricker isn't that consistent, but this year this has improved. And, you know, after the US Open run, decent Davis Cup, I just expected more. And that's why I'm going to go with Martino over, over Stricker. And with that, we can finally arrive at the previews. We have five events incoming this week. Uh, two of them are Challenger 125s, the Slovak Open in Bratislava and the Malaga Open in, uh, of course, Malaga. We also have two 100s, uh, the Challenger de Buenos Aires and also Shenzhen Longhua Open. Uh, it's important because uh, there are two events in Shenzhen back to back. One of them is Shenzhen Longhua and the other is Shenzhen Luohu. 
I don't know how to pronounce it, sorry. And also we have 175 uh, in Fairfield in the States. So uh, let's of course start as usual with the biggest challengers and then we'll sort of go down the line. The Slovak Open in Bratislava, which is an event definitely very dear to my heart. I've been there twice already in 2019 and in 2022. In 2022, it was the only time when I had the chance to meet uh, Jakub, so the uh, co-host who, as you know, passed away. Um, the only chance I had to meet him in person. And for him, it was like an even bigger deal, you know, that event. He was the he was a ball boy, a ball boy there. Uh, then he was um, a journalist a few times. So I, I remember making this joke uh, that um, basically Feder has this story, right, that he was the ball boy in Basel and then he won the event ten times. So I told him that he he was a ball boy. Now he's an accredited, you know, journalist. And then he's going to be, I don't know, the tournament director in 2050. And unfortunately, uh, we're not going to see whether that um, pans out. However, um, yeah, uh, Bratislava was, was definitely Jakub's favorite event, the, the indoor one, not the clay one. Uh, the clay one, I think he only visited a few times. Indoor one was, was like his home. And uh, yeah, uh, um, yeah, it's going to be a, a bit of a special feeling as well for me watching this. I uh, do wish I was in Bratislava, honestly. I think I'm still going to travel to probably two Challenger events until the end of the year. Maybe three or one, we'll see. Um, uh, we're, you're gonna, you guys are going to hear about it when uh, maybe more so towards the end of October. Uh, but uh, for now... Um, Bratislava is one that I really regret not going to again because it's 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 always such a great field and I just uh, really got accustomed to the venue as well, being there twice. But anyway, uh, let's ch chat about the draw. And uh, Martin Fucovic is the defending champ. Uh, last year we were both there with Jakub in Bratislava and we had an interview with him on the show. Uh, but uh, he chose not to defend his title. The top seed is actually Dominic Team. Recently, I think he was signed up for a few challengers, then kept withdrawing, so finally we are getting him. And he's playing Vitaly Sachko, which is a nice story, because a few years back, you might remember Vitaly Sachko playing Dominic Thiem in the first round of the ATP 500 in Vienna, uh, where Sachko um, was a very surprising... Was he actually a qualifier? I, I think I remember him beating uh, Pierre Igerber. Um, what, was, what was the year even? I mean, sometimes, you know, it just escapes you right i believe it was like 2019 maybe no no 2019 is way too early right so was it 2020 yeah, it was the pandemic vienna he beat herber he lost to gombos and then he made the um, main draw as a lucky loser and actually played a very decent match against team uh the the upset against herber was like a 12 odds sort of deal you know so, so it's an interesting story there. You've got Diallo Ferry playing an all-college matchup in, uh, you know, and potentially then Timur Sachko. There's also, I mean, the draw is insane. Uh, you've got Virtan and Brody and Prismich Klein as first-round matchups next to each other. Thomas Mahaj is the fourth seed, and he actually plays a qualifier and then another qualifier. There's also Kresi playing Lukas Pokorny. So I think Kresi has a pretty easy first round, and then one of them will face Veseli or Menchik. Uh, we've got Alex Molchan playing Yoris de Lor uh, in the opening round. Hassan has a special exempt as well as Ferry, and he plays Travalia. Travalia, I also remember from Bratislava. I think he played in 2019 and went pretty deep. 
um, and he he was really exciting there. Uh, Bonzi plays uh, as the third seed, and he will face Norbert Gombosch uh, as the wild card. We had an interview with Gombosch last year, where it was actually mine, because the Fuchovic one that I mentioned was um, was done. Uh, you know, we, we did it together with Jakub. Gombosch was mine because, of course, Gombosch, I mean, with Gombosch, Jakub talking in Slovak. Uh, but but Gombosch also was, I think, a great interview on the last year's uh, show dedicated to Bratislava. One of them will face a qualifier in the second round. There's also Jean Borpiroš, the 2021 runner-up, who's facing Filip Misolic. And then Zepierior Dumhur. And the second seed is Dominic Stricker playing Luca Nardi. So what a first-round matchup. And uh, one of them will play Andrew Paulson with a wildcard as well, by the way. Interestingly, a Czech wildcard there. And uh, Paulson faces a qualifier. So speaking of the qualifying, there are really good names there. Denis Novak, uh, the 2019 champ. I, that was one of the additions that I watched. And he crushed Damir Dumhur there in the final 6-1-6-1. I think... No, we had Denis Novak on the show recently, but it wasn't from Bratislava 2022. It was from... Uh, Vilnius, right, 2023. Um, Milos, uh, uh, sorry, Martino is also there. He beat Milos Karol, one of the Slovak uh, talents. I actually think no Slovak players in the qualies uh, won, sadly. Uh, it was Krajci, Nard, and, Kra- and Karol. Also, there was a Czech wildcard, Maxim Mrvada, uh, junior, who had a good run at one of the slums this year, but he lost to as well to Chemilkel. There's Mate Valkus, maybe if he's healthy, he can be dangerous here. Akira Santian playing Gojovczyk. Uh, that's a very interesting final qualities round. Ilkel was the, f- wait, let me think, finalist, no, semi-finalist last year, losing to uh, Maroshan, I believe. So he's playing uh, He's playing the qualifying now and actually has Gabriel, Gabi Adrian Boitan in the final round, so that could be good. And also these last two final qualities matchups. I mean, Jesus Christ, Marchenko playing Zhuk. Uh, Kacper Zhuk, by the way, recently said that he was only going to play 25Ks until the end of the year, maybe one challenger. But it seems like his plans have changed a bit. I don't know if it was because the 25Ks weren't going too well, but he picked up an alternate spot here into Bratislava. And also I saw he signed up for Ortisei, maybe, the challenger 50. That's on such super fast courts. I would love him to play Ismaning as well, because I can already tell you that that's one of the events that I want to head to this year as well. And uh, also we have Joao Souza playing Martin Dam. So that's that's another final qualities round that I really want to watch tomorrow. I hope it's it's going to be at like a manageable hour. Uh, it should be early, early in the day. And uh, anyway, the qualifiers could be dangerous, but I think I'm going to stick with the main draw players in terms of my picks. And as as you guys have heard, I mean, the draw is insanely strong, as Bratislava usually is, to be honest with you. I don't want to go for Stryker because he plays Nardi in the opening round. I don't want to go for Bonzi because he plays Gombosch in the opening round. Like, I truly think that Gombosch has a shot if he just has some of that, you know, Bratislava magic and like the Slovak crowd going wild. I don't know if they will actually go wild. Like the the main playing hall is actually so huge that sometimes it feels very empty at the beginning of the week. Um, I love the outside court as well. This is one of the events where there's a big contrast in terms of court speed between the center and the court number three, I think, which is their second playing venue. And uh, court number three is just rapid. <laughs> and uh, center court is actually on the slower side of indoor courts. Um, I 
am thinking, I honestly even thought of Mahaj because he has qualifiers and qualifier, but it's not going to be easy with, with this sort of draw. So uh, I think, because I, I don't want to go into that top quarter either, you've got Virtanen, Brody, Prismic, Klein, Diallo, Ferry, Team, Sachko. I mean, this is ridiculous. So I think I'm just going to go with Maxim Kresi. You know, he has been disappointing since winning that first challenger title when he, when he returned to the level after a year and a half. Then he loses in the first round both times to Escoffier and to Mahaj. And of course, there's nothing wrong in that. But I guess you would expect him to beat Escoffier. But he's playing Lukas Pokorny here in the opening round. I think that's a win. And then he plays Veseli or Menshik. That can be tough. He could face Mahac again. But if Mahac is getting tired, and at some point he should be, or if it's a qualifier, I like Kresi's chances to get to the semis. And then we'll see. But yeah, this is a very high quality draw. But I, I, I feel very good about this Cressy pick. Uh, I don't know if he's going to win, but I, I feel like he is one of the guys who will actually go fairly deep. And then, of course, anything can happen. The other 125 is in Malaga, and it's actually really exciting too, and uh, there's a couple of big reasons for that. So the defending champ is Constant Lestien, and he is, at least for now, he is still in the draw after winning in Alicante. And the top seed, with a wild card as well, is Roberto Bautista Agut. So this is the first challenger appearance for RBA since um, Quimper 2013. So over 10 years. And why is he here? You know, he hasn't played, played since Kstad. He has been injured. He is right now at number 40 in the ATP rankings. And to the, to the, in, in Malaga, he is facing Gilles Arnaud Bailey. Bali? Bali, sorry. And so another qualifier in the opening round. Then one of them will face Gako for a qualifier. You've got Ivashka Tirante, an interesting matchup as well. Ivashka played a few challengers, I, I guess at least one challenger this year. I remember him in Surbiton. Did he play anymore? I can't remember. But he was also supposed to be in Alicante, right, last week and eventually pulled out. So I don't know how he's you know, doing health-wise. Has he played more challengers? I think he's played one of the seven, 175s, right? Yeah, Bordeaux as well. So so two challengers this year just for Ivashka. But obviously he is down to 175 in the ATP rankings. So soon enough, we're only going to watch him in challengers, basically. Uh, and then one of them can face Marterer. So that's a good section as well. You've got Bernabe Zapata-Mirales playing Flavio Cobolli. Uh, a very clay court matchup, which is actually happening on hard. Kuzmanov Mute. That's interesting. And Lestien can face a qualifier, then qualifier on Nagal. Ramos Vignolas plays Andreev. I would expect that on hardcore, Andreev has a shot there, but we'll see. Emilio Nava playing a qualifier. Daniel Elahi Galan is here with, uh, as the fourth seed. He will face Grenier, who has a special exempt. One of them can play Ilmer, Elias, of course. Mikael, not Mikael, not Rafael. Uh, then we also have Pedro, uh, Pedro Martinez playing Benoit Per, and then Pablo Yamas Ruiz or Andrea Vavasori. And this bottom se little section is just ridiculous as well. Roberto Carbaez Baena playing Mattia Bellucci. <laughs> and then Pablo Carreño Busta, who, by the way, made his first appearance since February in Alicante last week. But I, I didn't I didn't talk about it. Uh, he basically was okay but he against Martinez, but he had awful breakpoint conversion, something like 0 out of 13 and couldn't really win with that. But anyway, Carbaez, Baena, Bellucci, one of them will play Carreño, Busta or Cazo. So that's, I mean, that's just insane for a challenger, let's be honest. And in the qualifying, any interesting players, Brancaccio maybe, Daniel Rincon 
Frederico Ferreira Silva, Kirian Joquet playing Jean-Vier, that's a good one. Morocania survived today. Billy Harris, maybe, he had a good run last week. But anyway, uh, that's more or less it. I don't think a, a qualifier is going to win this one. So, um, I honestly kind of want to pick Roberto Bautista Agut. I know he hasn't played in a while. Who knows what sort of physical state he'll be in. But he's facing Bali. I think I like his chances to get to the quarters. Then maybe Marter Rivashka can cause him trouble. Uh, but he's just so good, you know. I have so much respect for Bautista Agut. I think there is a chance that he comes back to the challenger level and dominates. I think there is a chance that, like that. Of, I mean, there's also a chance that, you know, being that he is now 35, uh, that drop-off in physicality is actually going to mean that he will not be able to separate himself from the pack at the challenger level. It is a possibility. I don't know how what's going to happen, but who knows. Uh, Ivashka, yeah, yeah, I don't think he's health. I, I don't know if he's healthy, maybe more so. Lestien back-to-back, I don't think so. Galan, I think, maybe an option, but then again, Grenier, then Imer, that's a tough draw. And that bottom quarter is just absurd, you know? Martinez, Per, Yamas Ruiz, Vavasori, Carreño Busta, Cazo, Bellucci, Carbaez, Baena. I could pick any of these guys to win the event, honestly. So yeah, I'm, I'm sticking with the top seed. Roberto Bautista, good. And uh, in Bratislava, I picked Cressy, right? So there's no real way to make a theme out of it or anything. I, I don't think so. Unless I'm going to go for like former top 50 players to win every event. But I don't know if that's even possible in every single event. We'll see. Maybe I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try something like that. And then we also have the 100s. Let's start with Buenos Aires. Well, Juan, Juan Manuel Serundolo is the defending champ, although recently he hasn't been doing all that hot, let's be honest. Anyway, Federico Coria, the top seed, plays Juan Pablo Fikovic. Then there's Bagnis. Then on the other half, we have Hoinski playing Monteiro in the first round. That's a huge one. And one of them will face Delian or Olivieri. So we might get another Monteiro Delian, like in uh, Campinas. Facundo Diaz Acosta and Federico Delbonis we actually did get in Campinas and it's going to be a first round here again. One of them will face Roman Andres Buruchaga. There's also Francisco Comesania as the seventh seed. I'm interested in what Neumayer and Kovalik will show in South America. I remember Kovalik actually told, uh, it was also with Jakub in, in Bratislava and they, they of course talked in Slovak but he sort of referred to me. Uh, what Kovalik said and apparently Kovalik said that he doesn't like playing in South America all too much just because um, like it's it's different conditions it's a little faster you know and then it doesn't suit him which is interesting and um, yeah Comesania is the seventh seed in that section we've got Alejandro Tabilo as the sixth seed playing uh, Franco Agamemnone one of them will face a qualifier. There's also Thomas Barrios Vera as the fourth seed, playing Ugo Carabelli, and then Navone or a qualifier. So really strong all round. And then the bottom half is also pretty ridiculous. Vitko Priva playing Dalibor Scina in this old Czech matchup that you wouldn't expect in South America, really. And then one of them plays Meligeni Alves or Darderi. I'm interested in Melige if Meligeni Alves can like jump right back into it, because as you might remember at the US Open, he was insane. And then Campinas, hmm, I don't know. I, I guess it wasn't the worst showing in the world, but losing a third set with Puruchaga with a bagel wasn't great. And then uh, Serundolo starts against Colarini. That was actually a challenger final not so long ago, wasn't it? No, maybe not a final. Maybe it was a 
maybe it was a, a semi-final. I seem to remember a Colarini Cerudolo match. Am I talking out of my? Yeah, it was a semi this year in Tigre. Sorry, I thought it was a. It, I thought it was a final. It was a semi this year in Tigre. They also played in Turin since, and it was actually Colarini who won there. So it's just three three two in the head to head for uh, Juanma. And um, also one of them will play Pellegrino Randrozzi. So again, this draw is just as insane as the European ones, pretty much. In terms of the qualities, uh, we had some great names here. Like how many times do you see Bonadio, Trunchelitti, uh, Rodriguez Taverna, you know, all of them playing qualities? That that was surprising to me. Usually doesn't happen in South America. Usually the South American qualifyings for challengers are much weaker. And uh, we can still have Trujaliti or Elias, for example, in the final qual- in the main draw. That's that's a good final qualities round. There's Olivo, Torres, Murkeldelian, Reis da Silva against Gilen Meza. That's a highlight as well. And so was today's Gilen Gilen Meza against Gonzalo Bueno. But yeah, again, I'm not going to be picking the qualifier uh, any any of the qualifiers. I think the draw is too strong for that. And what I'm looking at right now is whether I can maintain my former top 50 um, picking theme. And I actually am not going to do it, you know. There's not going to be a theme this week just because I think the only top 50, former top 50 player in the draw is Federico Del Bonis. And I don't want to pick Federico Del Bonis to win this title. But then again, who do I even want to pick, frankly? I wonder how Federico Coria will do, you know, obviously we've had him on the show sort of from a press conference, but conference, but still uh, after he won Szczecin. And then last week in Campinas, he suffered a surprising exit to Orlando Luz. But I think I could pick him. Then again, Bagnis in round two quarterfinals against Delian or Monteiro. That is really rough. But as I said, I think everyone has a tough draw here. Ugo Carabelli, Barrios Vera round one. I mean, wow. Coprivas, Frcina, Marigeni, Alves, Darderi, Pellegrino, Andreozzi, Colerini, Serundolo. What the hell is even that half? Um, I, I, I truly have absolutely no idea what's going to happen. Uh, sorry, that half. That, that's a quarter, actually. And I truly have no idea that... Um, yeah, I, I just absolutely have no idea what, what I'm going to do there. So maybe let's go... Huh. Juan Manuel Serundolo playing Scolarini and then Pellegrino or Andreozzi. Yeah, I, I have no idea what to go for. I, I you know I've just said it a few times, but I truly, truly have no idea. I don't know if Comesania is healthy after the retirement last week, which makes things a lot more complicated. Uh, Diaz Acosta playing Del Bonis. I mean, it can easily go wrong in the opening round. And recently he hasn't been doing that well. But you know what? Let's go Diaz Acosta. Uh, I, I absolutely have no clue who's winning this event. I, I don't have any confidence in my pick here. I literally have zero, zero, zero confidence. Absolutely zero. Uh, yeah, let's go to the other Challenger 100 on this weird note, uh, which is in Shenzhen. And Zhang Zhizhen, Zhizhen Zhang is the, la- is the defending champion, but it was in 2019. So obviously he's not defending his title because he's still in Shanghai ATP 1000 and playing Hubert Hurkacz in the fourth round. Amazing round, by the way. And very, very actually sort of expected, but I still thought he might not capitalize on the opportunity. But anyway, uh, the top seed is Tanasi Kokinakis. Uh, it's quite quite fun. He is playing a qualifier and then Zhukaev for a qualifier. Zhukaev, by the way, great showing at Shanghai himself. 
um, qualifying, beating Napolitano in a surprisingly good match and then giving a good show against Kachanov too. Tennis at Mane, seventh seed, playing Justino and then Lituore qualifier. Nuno Borges is the third seed, playing Steven Diaz. One of them will face Buyun Chaoketa or McCabe. There's also Yu Siu Su, also a good showing in Shanghai, qualifying, making uh, making the third round. Then uh, he, he's playing a qualifier, one and one of them can play Savil or Tseng. We've got Alexander Kovacevic, Alexander Kovacevic against Filip Sekulic in the opening round. I think that's that's fantastic. The wild cards here are a little weird with Tang Sheng against Kachmazov and then Sun Kian against the qualifier. There's Fabio Fonini as well with the third wild card. Good round one against Denis Yevsiev. You've got James Duckworth as the fifth seed playing Kaichi Uchida and then Jung or Donskoy. And also Pedro Kachin is the second seed playing a qualifier or and war Palan. Kachin actually took a set of JJ Wolf and honestly I wasn't all that surprised because um, Pedro, I mean Kachin is really good on a quick surface I think, like when his service is, uh, is firing so maybe he can actually be a factor here because from what I remember from 2019 I think these challengers in China used to be really fast. Uh, the two ones that Zhang won that year with Jinan and Shenzhen, I think they used to be rapid. And this event actually starts on Monday, so we haven't had the first round of the qualifying yet. There's Ben Locke in the qualies, there's um, Hiroki Moria, uh, Nam Huang Li, so there are some interesting players. I wonder if Iju can qualify the 18-year-old fantastic junior. Egor Gerasimov, if he is as good as he was in Astana recently, I think could be a factor. But probably not going for Gerasimov. Um, in terms of the picks, like, do I just want to go for Kokinakis? I honestly am not sure about Tanasi in this spot, you know, in this draw. I am not confident if he is going to be all that good. Um, Atmana is a possibility. He has had a fantastic Chinese swing. And in Shanghai, he was also nice. He beat... Who the hell did he beat in the opening round after qualifying? <laughs> I know he lost to Nicolas Jari, and I definitely watched his first match in, uh, Jesus, I cannot remember it right now, he definitely, oh, Jordan Thompson, right, yeah, Jordan Thompson was the guy he beat in Shenzhen, uh, sorry, in Shenzhen, in Shanghai, uh, you know, you know what, I'm gonna go for something wild, and I'm actually gonna pick Pedro Kachin as the second seed, um, I think Kachin is actually gonna be better on these quick hard courts than, people think and his quarter is pretty manageable I think Kovacevic is really a mess recently I cannot really pick him against Sekulic and then Kachmazov in the second round potentially well probably Kachmazov since Kachmazov is playing Tang Sheng uh, that second quarter maybe could be also uh, a good chance to pick Borges or like Su but I think they will lose in the semis to Atmane or Kokinakis or even Zhukaev for them for that matter so, yeah, I'm picking Pedro Kachin. Uh, kind of wild, but why not? And then we also have a Challenger 75 in Fairfield, the last event that we need to cover. Uh, the uh, defending champions Michael Moe, but he's not playing. And honestly, I have to say, and someone else also texted me about this, uh, Diego, uh, one of the uh, friends of the show, he said that these events are becoming very stale. And he is right. Like the the American challengers in the last few weeks, it's literally the same matchups all over again. You know, you've got Kugla, Kudla Skulkate for FFS, you know, 
for the third time in like three or four weeks. And um, yeah, it just feels like there are different configurations, but still, you know, Mikkelsen can play Kwiatkowski again in the second round. And uh, Tomic Johnson, you know, we've seen this, we haven't seen it, but like we've seen it, you know, because Tomic played Kudla and, and the likes, and Tomic can actually play Kudla in the second round. It just feels like we've seen all of these before, you know, Galerno, Holt, Lyal Sandgren. I don't even know if, if I've seen this, these matches already, but like the names are so similar every single week that I basically feel like I've seen all of that. And the excitement kind of goes away after a while. Anyway, uh, Mikkelsen, the top seed, as I already mentioned, playing Dugas, then potentially again Tyson Kwiatkowski or um, Ozan Baris. And then uh, Adam Walton is the sixth seed, playing Nishesh Basafaredi, or Spitziri, or a qualifier. Spitziri, I think, just won a, call, a big college event, by the way. An event that um, the last two years was won by Shelton and Queen, and then they went on to win the NCAA championship. So let's see if Spitziri does that as well. Kudla or Skulkite, as I mentioned, the, the third seed is Kudla. Uh, then Tomiko Johnson, Lyle Sandgren, which I already mentioned as well, playing Christian Harrison, or a qualifier. I also already talked about Galerno Holt. One of them will face Langmore, a qualifier. There's Mansuri Pospisil against Svaida, a qualifier, potentially. Maybe Svaida can go deep. I mean, I like the draw, although he would have to beat Galerno again, maybe. Uh, Nicolas Moreno-Alboran is the second seed. He plays a qualifier, then Kruger or Schnur. Uh, and also Alexander Richard, the eighth seed, plays a qualifier, and then Kipson or Aidan Mayo. Uh, when it comes to the qualifying, the first round of the qualifying has not finished yet. Uh, are there any big names? Uh-huh. Even Zhu playing August Holmgren. I'm interested in that, I guess. Strong Kirchheimer or Ethan Quinn. Uh, are they winning? Yeah, Kirchheimer is and Ethan Quinn is as well. Um, Miller, Elmer Miller, the Danish uh, guy whom um, a few weeks ago he was... Uh, what was it, Amersfoort, where he went deep? Uh, that was that was cool. I, I would love to see more from him. Also, Federico Agustin Gomez against Lernertin. Lernertin beat Cannon Kingsley, by the way. That's a good final qualities round. But yeah, anyway, I'm going to stick to the main draw again. And honestly, guys, I am very stubborn. And I picked Mikkelsen the last couple of weeks. It didn't work out. And I think I'm going to do it again. Um, I know he can play quiet Kaski, but... I feel like if he just plays a, an American challenger the next six, seven weeks, actually one of them, I think there's no not going to be an American challenger in Las Vegas because it was canceled, but still, like the next six weeks or so, he, he keeps playing American challengers. I feel like he's going to win one of them. <laughs> so I'm going to keep picking Alex Mikkelsen unless there's a pick that I really like in the draw, which in this case, I don't think there is. So, uh, basically, that's what I'm going to finish at. Um, we've chatted about the five events that happened. We previewed five. I think it's going to be a very exciting week for the Challenger Tour, especially Malaga and uh, Buenos Aires, but also China is back. And because I'm waking up for Shanghai pretty early anyway, I might actually get to watch a lot of the Chinese events this time, unlike in the, in the previous swing where I only sort of followed selected matches, let's say. And uh, yeah, I'll see you guys in seven days when I'm going to be back to discuss the events of, let's try that, Shenzhen, Buenos Aires, Malaga, Bratislava and Fairfield. Boom. Uh, That was actually easier than I expected. So again, uh, thank you for listening and I'll see you guys pretty soon. Seven days.